Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome. This is the Paul Ryder Tapes. I'm Angela Smith, the ex-wife of Paul, founding member and bassist with Happy Mondays, as well as being a singer in his side project Big Arm and a musician in several other groups. So this week we have a really, really special bonus edition featuring the absolute legend that is Bez. So can you start off, we'll do it kind of chronologically, start off by how you very first knew about Paul. I told that story in the church when I stood up and done my thing and my very first meeting of Paul and Sean is when they was in the car, what we used to call the egg, the old yellow escort, Mark II escort. I was up at the stocks, I can't remember what I was doing up there. At the time, I'd been up to a lot of mischief anyway. And next thing... Paul and Sean pulled in in, on this, in the egg and I seen two little heads about that big peeping up over the dashboard and that was like my first meeting of him and, and at that time I'd, I'd heard a lot about obviously because Gaz, Mark and Paul we all went to the same school so I, I obviously knew about the band and they'd just got back from Amsterdam at the time and they had their, their, their single Delightful on it and to me, it was so amazing that people that, uh, well, I didn't actually know Paul and Shaw, but people I went to school with, I had this record out, it was like amazing, and I was just so blown away. And I, and I actually thought they were superstars by that time, and they looked so cool. The pair of them, like, they're proper cool as fuck. Then I, I actually went a few nights later, or days later, that I went down to meet Sean, no, I'd actually met him properly nights later. And did you think, oh, I'd like to be a part of that? Well, you know what? At the time, the last thing on my mind was being part of the Happy Mondays because I couldn't play anything, I couldn't do anything. 
I've not like a, a musician. And I, I'm just so like, happy that people I knew had got a record out because it was like a, a dream beyond your grasp. It's something that it doesn't happen to everybody, so it was like... So, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. I remember when I first went to watch the band play. It was at uh, Corby Airs, downstairs in Corby Airs. And there was about ten of us in there watching it. And it's not long after this first meeting in the Stocks Car Park. And uh, that was the first time I ever seen the band play. And I was, like, blown away by it. And it was only a little gig in Corby Airs. And uh, eventually I ended up joining the band at the Hacienda on the night note, the, the Tube, it was, and uh, New Order was playing for the Tube, and the Mondays were supporting, and that's the actual night that I actually joined the band. Oh, was it? Can you tell me about that moment? Like, what, what prompted you to get up on stage? Uh, I've been telling this story a lot recently, so at the time I just bought loads of uh, black microdots and white microdots, and these microdots, supposed allegedly came from a thing called Operation Jeweler, which I don't know if you remember or not, but it was these kids who wanted to spike all the reservoirs in England and turn on the whole of England to acid, uh, onto acid. And these acid were supposed to be for, no leftovers from this operation. So anyway, we all done this acid. Uh, all previous nights as well, because I lived in Eccles at the time, and we always having the first acid house parties as well. And I'm jumping a little bit going back. This is before the, 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 the said night. And I used to have a, a cassette player. And you could play two tapes at the same time. And get, you could get a drum machine going, put these two tapes in. And you used to get all to plug his bass. You could plug your bass in. And you used to plug his bass in and play bass over the top of it. So we used to have things like Penguin Cafe, Frank Sapper, some drum machine going, and Orson's bass playing over the lot of it. And every now and again, it made this magic moment like you've never heard before. You're like, oh, yeah, that's it. And then we used to have some wild parties down there on these microdots. So I eventually ended up joining the band because of these microdots. And this one night, Sean was that off his head on it. And he turned around and goes to Bez. You're going to have to come on stage with me because I'm right off my finger. He needed moral support. <laughs> and I said, fuck off, I'm not getting on stage. You're fucking mad. And after a bit of chewing and throwing, I had to jump on stage, obviously. And on the way up there, I seen a, a pair of maracas, which I grabbed. And I got on there and I was like off my head on this asset. I was giving it rock all. And I had a, when I came off, I had a whole size of a 50 pence piece in my hand. And I went home laughing that night, but the funny thing is, next day, somebody said to uh, Sean and Paul, when they was out of the egg, this girl come up and said to him, well, that was really nice of you last night, letting that kid with special needs on stage with you. <laughs> <laughs> I've not heard that before. That's brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> So what was that it then? That was your fate was sealed and they said, right, you're, in, you're doing this every yeah, time. Well, um, I'm not too sure how keen everyone else was to have me because like, this was like a one-off and it, worked. And it was actually uh, Tony Wilson who said that I should join the band because I think I reminded him a, lo a little bit of Ian Curtis, you know, because he's fucking do all that mad sort of uh, freaky sort of dancing. 
And it was like Tony who kind of pushed to the band more than the band did, actually. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but dead and, uh, and I've been on stage ever since, obviously. <laughs> well, he was a visionary, Tony, wasn't he? He knew what he was doing. Well, I'll tell you another story about the egg as well, what I told in the church as well. And uh, it's used in the early days, we, none of us had a carry. And uh, Paul used to run the car, I don't know how he could run it, but it, it was never even... Uh, to the edge of empty, it was always half half down the empty, and that car it, it seems to run like magic on thin air. It used to go everywhere. Anyway, it was that skin that we were starving, and we all could be to practice one day, and we decided. I said, "No, go to Morrison's on the way home," and they used to go with Morrison's and fill a shopping trolley up with food and just walk out with it, and on the way to the car. I don't know why they never stopped me at the Saturday night because I looked a bit mad. So I threw all the steward in the boot, but the security fella got Paul's number, horse's number. And and next minute, there's a phone call saying that we've got to go to the police station and all that. And that's when I knew that this bond forever, because obviously he never grasped me up and he came up with some outlandish why I was in the car with him. <laughs> wow, brilliant. So what what did you think would happen with the band? Did you have any idea that it would reach the heights that it did? Where did you think it would go at that point? Well, you know what? We used to sit there at night because me, Paul and Sean used to all live in the same flat in Boomstown. And we used to like listen to it. And we used to have our dreams. And we always thought that was the next best thing since sliced bread. And we was always never under the illusion, even though it was really crap. We always thought we was the best thing ever and we had the massive dreams and we always used to talk about having like a Porsche each with freaky one, freaky two, freaky three number plates and all that and we used to fantasise about our futures but unfortunately we never got as big as we dreamt. So what, what other heights would you want to reach? Well, we wanted to be like the biggest rock and roll band in the world, legendary status, rock and roll... We lived a rock and roll lifestyle, but we never quite managed to get that world recognition of being one of the maddest rock and roll bands in the business. No, I think I think you did. I think you underestimate yourselves. Seriously, I mean, who doesn't know about the Happy Mondays? Honestly, we had these dreams what never quite occurred, unfortunately. And that's because we was mismanaged along the way as well, which never helped, you know what I mean? The best manager we had was Phil Sachs. Cause he did it because he loved it and he loved us, he loved the band. He was a great person. I remember when we first got Nathan and we we went out with Nathan and we was all sat in this little bus of ours. And he, he's supposed to be the manager and he's cops off with this bird on his first ever gig. And it, this is our first ever gig, he's gone out on the road, never been out with on the road with us. Supposed to be our brand new... And he only fucking, the bird only nicks all the fucking first night's wages off him. You're like, oh, you, you couldn't get off to a better start than that. You talked about it earlier, uh, but that was one of the things I wanted to ask you. What was it like sharing a flat with Paul and Sean in Boothstown? Well, yeah, it was great in them days. It was fantastic because we, we, we were uh, young, 
We had fucking dreams. We was having great times, great parties, all really enjoying ourselves. And of course, I, in the early days, before we could afford to have our own hotel room, me and Oz used to share rooms together as well. So we travelled the world, sharing rooms together as well. I could tell you a few stories, but I, I better not. <laughs> when you were flat sharing, who did the cooking and who did the cleaning? Like, how did that work? The flat was, when we left there, it was basically condemned. You should have seen the state of the place. Like, there was fungi growing where fungi's never been seen growing before. One day we did decide to do the pots and we had to fill the bath up to clean the pots in. Paul talks and, uh, about that. And the side mark, you know, because the three of us had getting the bath. And the fucking towels used to stink. There used to be a thick, crusty time mark round the bath because no one ever used to clean the bath. It wasn't very, like... You weren't going to impress any young bird anyway coming in the house, that's for sure. I think they, like, was, like, flabbergasted about the way we lived. But I think they could forgive us because we were such good fun. <laughs> exactly. Talk a little bit about the the, di- the difference between Sean and Paul in like personality. I know they're brothers, then they have a lot of similarities, but they also have a lot of differences. It wasn't so bad at first, but when the, the, there's just a lot of ego going on and ego and money matched together, and it was like both really competitive, aren't they, Sean and Paul? And I think that's where it started going a bit west because there was always a little power battle going on between them. And the biggest mistake I ever made was when I've tried breaking up the fighting one day. Full on fight, I thought, oh, fucking hell, I'm going to have to break him up. And I went in and Paul bit me thumb that hard, he nearly bit it off. And I thought, ah, I said, oh, she fucking bit me fucking thumb. And I never... They never bothered getting you no know, stepping in between them again. But yeah, they used to have fights all the time. It was a love-hate relationship what they used to have going on with each other. I mean, I think that continued really throughout the lives, didn't it? And it's because they were both so competitive with each other. It was always trying to outcool each other. <laughs> it was the coolest. <laughs> Do you think the tension between them? added to the dynamic of the of the band like do you think without that tension there wouldn't have been the magic that there was it gave it an edge and it was so, so normal it wasn't even like with the split of the mondays and that's when it became a proper thing then but until that moment with the mondays splitting up it wasn't any big deal and it became a, a big deal when the mondays split up with 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 uh all oh, the bad blood what was caused by that me and charlotte i've always thought it was a no terrible mistake by the rest of the band. They should have st- stuck on because we fought tooth and nail to, to keep that band together at the time. I thought it was just Mark and Gaz and PD that split off, though. Paul was still, like in the early days of Black Grape, he was still involved, wasn't he? He got involved in the early days, but um, it, all, all the bad blood stemmed from that moment. And the both, the pair of them, had terrible addictions at the time, which no clouds everyone's judgment. You know, in no place to make any judgment calls. Not any what made any sense anyway. And they're both like in a terrible way, to be truthful, in addiction, which never helps either. 
And how did that affect you? Like, did you worry about them? Well, I used to worry about everybody. I used to worry about the whole band. I was, you know, felt it was my responsibility to look after everyone in the band at the time. It might not appear so, but that's what I felt my role was. I, I cared and loved for the old band, and I, I did whatever I could to make things right. Yeah. So was it frustrating for you when you couldn't fix them? Well, yeah, because the frustrating thing for me was how nobody could see what they'd got. They couldn't see beyond the fucking, that moment. And it, it was madness, like, fucking hell. We're in a fucking massive band, fucking all known right round the world. What is it? Fucking hell, you should be fucking really happy. And that's what used to do me head in because fucking, I was loving it, mate. I fucking like buzzing me fucking socks off. And I couldn't understand why everybody else wouldn't be the same, felt the same about it all. And it's today I still buzz on it all. I like, love it. Like really proper love and buzzing on it and think how fucking lucky we are to be in this sort of position. And I couldn't understand why they could never see that. Why do you think it was that they couldn't? Because of the addiction? Yeah, because of addiction, yeah. And unfortunately, the, the drug of choice at that time makes you extremely selfish. And the only thing what you can think about is yourself, unfortunately. Mm, yeah. Talk a little bit about the the recordings. You were always very prominent. You were always there when all the albums were being recorded. Did you go? You went to when when Bummed was recorded. You were there in Driffield. Was it Driffield? My favourite story about the band is actually the first album, and uh, we we recorded it with John Cale, uh, twenty four hour party people lost the face can't spell white out, and uh, I was sat in the studios uh, with John Cale and all the band. We're going through the chats, what they're going to play. And John Cale's kept turning around looking at me going, what, what, like, fucking... And I think, oh, he's going on about the bad bass change, though, like, in Sarsa. And I thought, oh, he's tripping him out. And no, it was... He couldn't believe that as a band, didn't even understand basic music, one, two, three, four time. And he couldn't believe he's going, what the fuck? He couldn't believe he didn't know what one, two, three, four was. And we started like, the band you start off like slow, get really, and like different speeds right through the whole song. And he like, he actually taught us one, two, three, four. John Cale, that's what we came out with. And that whole album, it, it sounded fucking amazing. Today, you'd never get that situation where you'd have a band. Because the old band was so taught, that's what was a great thing about the Happy Mondays. Like, nobody had been taught at school, nobody had been anywhere. The old band had taught themselves how to play an instrument. And that's why we didn't know the basics, because nobody had actually told us. And that's what made uh, the Mondays special, I think, because the, the old thing was self-taught. We all learned together and got fucking better together. Do you think if they had had lessons that the music would have been completely different and not as magic? Well, yeah, it's good that it, it develops the way it did and that's what gave it its unique sound. But the great thing about the whole band learned together and developed together and at, and at the time there's nobody else making the music what we were making. Nobody could put the finger on. It, it had, though, in the early days, that childish element to the sound. Fucking, like, 
No kids who don't know what the fuck you do. I mean. <laughs> Therein was the charm, and that's why everybody was was attracted to it. I think it wasn't like your mm. identikit record company fueled product, was it? Yeah, I don't think you'd ever ever get a situation where a band gets signed. I don't know basic music and get signed to a record label. That's thanks to you know Sony Wilson and Factory Records. <laughs> Do you have any memories of um, recording Bummed with Martin Hannett? I do, yeah. It's uh, kind of faded uh, memories, but I do have memories. And it, it, that was another great album. Again, working with Martin. was up in Driftfield. It was the height of the ecstasy explosion. So the whole band was on really good vibes. Like everyone was just eating ease. Fucking the addictions hadn't even entered, entered into the equation then. And that was probably the most enjoyable it was to be in the Mondays. A massive following, all the lads loved us. We had this like little bit of magic going on. And uh, yeah, it's a great album, Bummed, as well. I really like the Bummed album. I really love it when we play Bummed tracks on, on Saw. Because there aren't many that you do play generally, are there, from Bummed, I don't think? Well, we did play the thing, yeah. I can't remember to be truthful. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my recollection is also quite faded. You know, it's not the best at times. It's the same you can remember it, you weren't there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's quite true. <laughs> Brilliant. Um... So you went to LA. Um, what was that like when you when you were doing pills and thrills? Yeah, well, it was amazing. Well, before we went out there, we, we was on a eight week tour of America, and that whole experience of being in America, touring, and it was leading up to going to LA to record the album, and we just had the most amazing time. I was working with Osborne and Oakenfold. He created this whole new sound. He understood what the Mondays, our vision of what we we thought we was. They made us that band with that album. Everything what we, we had imagined. Hey, we had big convertible cars, driving around thinking we loaded the man. And we had such an amazing time. And the great thing about it as well at that time, that the band was getting on great as well. There was no error winning forward, I don't think, at that time, recording that album. And it, it was really like a, a magical moment for the band. Eight weeks in LA, imagine eight weeks in LA, that could have been really dangerous. And I remember when we finished the album, we was playing, we had a pill party at Oakwood Apartments, which quite famous place in LA. One of the actors are staying there. So it was infamous place where really. there's a lot of starlets or semi-stars. It was all going on there. We had a great, unbelievably good time out there making that album. Can you talk a little bit about Derek and the, the importance of him in the mix, especially in the early days? Yeah, well, both Derek and Linda, so don't forget Linda as well, because... She used to make the corned beef and tomato butties for us all when we all went out on the road. And uh, without Horseman, there would, there would have been no Happy Mondays. He was the true driving force 
behind it all and that his love of his sons he'd do anything for his sons there was not nothing he wouldn't do he put he took the band on he drove us all around and and a lot of the time in the early days it, it costed him he the, it was coming out of his own wallet we didn't even make enough in the gate to pay for the van and the fuel He's I remember buying us all bacon butties at the server. He honestly, he he was such a great man. He done such a lot. For, for, like say, there would be no happy Mondays if it weren't for us, man. Yeah, yeah. How do you think it was for Sean and Paul having their dad around in those early days? Well, you know what? I think they really appreciated. It. I think they absolutely loved loved having him there, and so having such a dad was so supportive with your lads if you don't appreciate that then what can you appreciate he was like so important to to the album and he used to do every road he did the sound drove he's like he did absolutely every job involving the mondays sort of manning drive the fan did the sound did the road he did everything i remember in iceland when i very first met everyone seeing him standing in for sean in sound check singing and he sounded like Sean. Yeah, well, he, he did sprawl from his groin, didn't he? So. <laughs> <laughs> a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Do you remember that trip to Iceland? I did, that was when you first met Paul. But that, yeah, that was a... Quite a, a bad trip. And the funny thing was, uh, they had a warehouse party in a warehouse full of stock. And obviously, I had loads of mans in there, like, oh, fucking hell, I'll have these. Oh, yeah. It was like a miniature crown spree went on at the time as well. But yeah, it's a great, it's a great trip swimming at the Blue Lagoon. It was one of those memorable gigs, a weekend in, in Rackenvik. Yeah, it's uh, one of them uh, trips that you don't forget. And then Barbados. Tell me about Barbados. <laughs> well, Barbados was quite the same thing. So we went out there because there was supposed to be no drugs there. And obviously there was a cracker fucking pandemic going on. And then, I can tell you a really funny story, though. One night, me, me and Paul had been smoking fucking thing And we decided we was going to go to the six rows to get some more. And on the way, we seen uh, Sean's car on the road upside down in the middle of the road. I said to Paul, 
like, pull the car over now. So we pulled over and said, we'll get the battery, you know, because we could swap it for crap. So we both got out the thing, yeah, popped the... And he'd already took the battery with him, hadn't he? But, uh, and I remember Ross as well on the last day when we was leaving. I went to see, I'd got a load of gear laid on just before uh, uh, the morning that we was leaving, which is a bit naughty off him, but when these must. <laughs> but yeah, it was great, because the great thing about that album was we got to work with Chris France and Seema Weymouth, and I actually thought it was a really good album, it was one of the best albums, because it didn't have that modern production what everyone wanted. But when you listen back, it's a great fucking album. And to get to work with Talking Heads, with, with some of your heroes as well. And you know what the funny thing is? I've actually been back to Barbados on holiday. And I can't believe what a great place it is. <laughs> <laughs> when you're being quite normal when you're there, instead of being insane. Okay, so how did you feel when, when the whole thing fell apart in, was it 1995 or 96, when there was the infamous record company meeting and Sean went away and didn't come back? Well, it was inevitable. We knew it was coming. Um, yeah, it was a really sad time where when you split up with your band, it is, there's nothing quite like, like... I'd say it's even worse than splitting up with your missus. It's that heartbreaking, heart-wrenching. It's like no feeling. I can't describe it, no. The nearest could describe it's like splitting up with your missus after 10 years and you find her cheating. It's that sort of feeling. And that's how awful it actually feels when, when you come to that moment. But somehow, through thick and thin, we've been wrote off as, as a group of people that many times, and we keep coming back. So in 1999 was the first reunion after that, wasn't it, when Simon Moran got the band back together? Well, I, I can't really remember to be truthful on that. And, um, and at the time, I was... I think I might have been treating as like a smashing grab. I really didn't give a fuck because uh, I didn't see anything here. I thought, oh, fucking... I, did, I wasn't going to join at first, go back. My heart wasn't really into the thing. We still hadn't really had made friends either from the breakup either. And it felt like a bit like a smashing grab. It's a funny thing, but we, I'm glad we did it anyway. And uh, it got the band back on song. But we spot, I can't remember how many times we've split up as a band now. I've lost count and reform. So I've been in every reform you can think of. The big one was 2012, like the last time when it was all the original lineup. And I don't know about you, but I know that Paul found out about it when somebody emailed me a copy of something that had been written in The Sun saying the whole band was getting back together with the original lineup. No one had asked Paul. Like I say, it's never gone as it should be. And it's always been chaotic, to say the least, being a member of the Happy Mondays. That's the only thing I can say. And to be true, I can hardly remember a lot of this shit. I can't remember the ins and outs of everything. Do you have, like, a, a, a best memory of, of being on stage or of a particular gig? Well, for me, my, my favourite all-time greatest gig was Rock the Rio. For me, that was Mondays at the Maddest. We had such a great time playing in front of it. And we was in the hotel with Guns N' Roses, and all oh, it's absolutely caused fucking chaos. 
Right, you won't believe how fucking mad we was, like. There's no words could describe it. I was actually putting a whole cellar guns and roses away from all the other acts because we were deemed as the two mad rock and roll bands. And Guns and Roses were quite, no, they're rock and roll, but in like a proper rock and roll, American way. They look like your fucking typical rock stars, where we look like just a bunch of fucking knobheads from some way. <laughs> Did you interact with Guns and Roses? We said hello, we said hello to him. I've actually uh, said hello quite a few times to him in, in, over the years. But we didn't really hang out in, in any sort of way. I don't think we was cool enough for him. And you went to meet Ronnie Biggs. Tell me about that. We did, yeah, we met Ronnie Biggs. Great shame. Well, it was nice to meet somebody who plays such an historical moment in British history. And then we met Liz Morgan, yeah, yeah. Who actually said I spiked his burger, but I, I never did. But I did smoke stiff an ounce of coke on the plane next to him on the way home. And he'd be sending to be asleep all the way. And I was under a blanket like that, me and Paul Davis. I suppose that's a story you shouldn't be telling, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Do you remember when Paul left the band in 2000 when you'd got back together again he just got an oasis support tour and he'd just given up heroin and just had a baby and he decided that if he carried on in the band with sean it was sean was getting on his nerves so much that he'd relapse and so he left a lot of this shit what went on honestly i i have absolutely no recollection of i've wrote books and i fucking can't remember what's fucking gone on it's really bad and it's because we're all fucking pretty out there, every last one of us. But fucking a lot of the Mondays, I've actually got no memory of, which is not fucking good, really. It's not a good state of affairs. And I, I, I think Sean's the same as well. I just cannot recall fucking so much shit. I've been told things what have gone on. I fucking I have no way to... I've had no idea. I fucking stuck in an ignorant bliss, even. <laughs> that, that is, uh, no, the bad, mad thing about being, a, no, for me being in the Mondays, how fucking little I actually remember of it. Well, at least you know you had fun doing it. That's the thing. Well, we had fun. We had lots of fun. And the saddest thing for me was when, obviously, when I got the phone call and the, the morning Paul died and there's me Liz going, Bez, you got to call me, me dad. And I, I, cut, I rushed right down to the house and he was still laying in the, the front room. Mark had tried doing some mouth-to-mouth on him. And then it was so shocking to see one of your best mates who you've spent lay there dead and there. Uh, and it comes so unexpectedly, doesn't it, death? I'll, ne- I'll never forget his face, because he looked really angry to me, because he, he looked like it wasn't his time to go, and he just lay on the floor there, and he fucking was, like, so mad. And then my dad died about five hours later as well, which was very, like it was double, double death in one day. Wow, that must have been really, really hard for you. But the great thing is how all the band, everybody was there. And he had the greatest funeral service I've ever been to. It was so amazing. It was like a, a fantastic send-off for him, weren't he? If he was there, he would have been so proud of his service. I know. 
So how do you how do you feel he'll be remembered? Like what what's the kind of legacy that he's that he's leaving behind? Well, he, he's going to be remembered for his baselines, isn't he? For for the Mondays, he wrote some incredible, powerful baselines. Well, the backbone of the Mondays, what we was the baselines were like a really big, powerful baselines. And as a friend, how will you? What what are the memories that you'll that you'll carry with you? But being an happy Monday and the experience that we've gone through together, and that is so special to be a part of the, the band, the Happy Mondays, and a group of lads from Salford. We had fuck all but a dream, and we pursued that dream together and had amazing highs and lows along the way. It's nobody can take that away from us. I always say I'm an Happy Monday for till the day I die. That's who I am, an Happy Monday. What do you believe? Do you believe he's around? Well, what I believe is we, we live in a, a circle of life and life is never-ending. This bit of life, what we're living now, is just a very small part of life and life goes on. And we live forever, that's what I believe. I don't, I don't believe that we die. I, I believe that our existence is forever and it goes on forever and we're going to the circle of life. Not quite sure what the circle of life is, but I think we live forever. Do you think that you'll see him again sometime? Well, you know what, I I just don't know. It'd be nice to think that you did run into your family and friends when you died. I just can't say, but I do know life is forever. That I really feel that in me blood. And I believe also that souls, over time, continuously cross paths through centuries. Have you ever read a book called Cloud Atlas? It deals with that sort of issue. Over centuries and that, these same people's paths are always crossing. I feel that is the case and I feel that through the lives we live, our paths will always cross because we're being brought together. That's what I feel. Cloud Atlas, I'll look that up. That sounds interesting. It's an amazing book. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Is there anything else that you, any stories that you want to tell about Paul? Or I could do, but I, I wouldn't want to tell some of them. So I'll just keep them to myself and to my old memories. I'd just like to say that we're fucking, no, really loved Loved him like a brother. We're part of our band. We shared so many moments together. I'd say we shared rooms right across the whole of the world. It's always me and us sharing together. And we shared so many moments. Thank you so much for talking to me. Really, really. All right, Angela. Well, I hope you got what you got. You know, exactly. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. He's brilliant, isn't he? He's such a lovely soul. Have you given us a review yet? If not, please do, as it really does help us. And if you'd like us to keep making these bonus episodes, please become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the Paul Ryder tapes. Go to our website, which is paulrider.tv, for links to the socials and to our shop. And if you'd like to see this episode on video, go to our YouTube channel, Glistening Stories, where it's going to be dropping next Sunday at 8 o'clock, and me and Chico will be live in the chat. Come back next week for another bonus episode right here. We're playing out with a track called Rocket Man that Paul did with his French collaborator in Los Angeles, Eddie Gromfier. We're going to be releasing a compilation album of a load of tracks that Paul did with various collaborators in the new year. Thank you so much for listening. Lots and lots of love to all of you. An extra special love and thanks go to the legend himself, that is Bez, as well, of course, to the man himself, the star of the show, the late great Paul Anthony Ryder. We know who to love and who to spank and leave. We know who to love and who to spank and bleed. I know when to strike and who to love and leave. Get on up for dirty days I know when to walk and when to stop and breathe We know when to talk and when to stop and leave Hey, I know he's a snake, knows how to sing and read Get on up for dirty days Don't know who I am or what I'm doing
Listening Production. 